Crowd by Johnny Lazarus. Two on one if they hurry. Lazarus shoots and he scores. Johnny Lazarus took it all the way. The two on one threat that Sherhart had to acknowledge. And UMass is on the board. It's two to one. Welcome you into third period live alongside another star, Johnny Lazarus. I'm Julie Stewart Binks. The thing I noticed with the Oilers tonight, though, is everything they've gotten on net has been from the perimeter. They haven't really had many high danger scoring chances, and that's something that you're not used to seeing with Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisettle. Does Wayne Gretzky use emojis in the group chat? Great question. You know, that's a good question. Um, I don't think I've seen an emoji yet. Everyone talked about adding grit to this team, and I think that's been the biggest difference this year with the guys like Tyler Mott, Bartha Goodrow, and Ryan Reeves, who you just mentioned. And that's what you need to go deep in the playoffs. Good morning, or good afternoon, or good evening, where the hell you're listening to this. You're listening to a new episode of The Cutting Edge with Jackknife Parr, the fat, unflecked nerds talking sports, the sports pod with dad bods. And I got a special guest with me tonight to preview the upcoming NHL season and my beloved New York Rangers. His name is Johnny Lazarus. And you know what? He's here right now. I think, Johnny, I think you should do the introduction of yourself, because who could tell us better about you than you? Uh, well, first of all, thanks, Jack. And I don't know if it's an absolute honor or a big insult to be invited on the Fat Unathletic Nerds Talking Sports podcast, but uh, I'll take it as a compliment. Um, <laughs> I just think that name is hilarious. But uh, yeah, I mean, about me, I work, you know, in, in many different facets of the NHL. I cover the Rangers. I do content with Bleacher Report, and uh, I work specifically on hockey betting with Vston, so I got my toes dipped in a lot of different pools in the NHL, and um, you know I love talking hockey, and obviously we have some friends in common and whatnot, and uh, I'm really looking forward to being here. So thank you for having me. Yeah, absolutely, Johnny, and I think the one friend in particular we got, I got to thank, is William Patterson hockey legend James Carp, <laughs> and as a thank you for him, and I'm gonna show you some clips of him playing hockey. Transition. Carp able to keep it to the point. Melvin moves in. Cross to Brophy. Brophy moves. Pass it across shot. Score! Carp! Beautiful play! 317 to go! Pioneers lead 3 to 2. Goal though. Cap at the point. His shot score! That might have been James Carp tipping it in front. Try to take it all in. Uh, it's definitely tough. You know, uh, a lot of good memories here since my freshman year. Uh, it's good. To, it was fun. It was a fun game to play in. And we're back. And here's some of his stats <laughs> at William Patterson. 88 games, 54 goals, 68 assists, and 122 points with uh, <laughs> 159 penalty minutes. You're a bad boy, Carpo. But, but yeah, this kind how of many, feel- how many slam sticks on the bench? <laughs> uh, oh, I don't know how they keep track of that, but it kind yeah. of feels like that scene in Spider-Man 2 when Harry introduced Peter to Dr. Octavius, except mm. I, I'm not sure if Carp actually reached out or if when I DM'd you, 
and said Carp was a mutual friend that you agreed to come on. But regardless, I think him being a mutual friend he reached was out. Help. Give him credit. He oh, yeah. Out. Give him credit. In my defense, I had that written down before I found that out. So, okay. <laughs> but yeah, you've been up to your neck in like st- work lately with the NHL. You were at NHL Media Day in Las Vegas. What was that like? That was honestly, dude, like the craziest, weirdest day of my life. Cause I, it's the, so I was working a full time job, uh, you know, up until like two months ago. I was working in ad sales for the tennis channel. And, you know, I'd been debating for the last like eight months if I should quit or not. Um, you know, obviously things were kind of going in my favor in the hockey world, but nothing was ever really set in stone enough for me to quit and kind of, you know, go out on that leap. And, you know, being at media day almost just like justified every decision I made and like, you know, being able to be on the ice with Crosby, McDavid, Dreisaitl, Bedard, like the Hughes brothers, the Kachuk, like all these just like incredible athletes that, you know, some that I've looked up to as a kid and others that I just admire now as an adult. And, you know, to, to be at that rank for two days and like to call that my job uh, was truly something that I just still haven't like come to terms with. And I understand like how fortunate and and lucky I am to be in this position. And, you know, it's something that I really uh, have not taken for granted. And that day was just like so much fun just being able to, you know, kind of shoot the shit with a bunch of NHL stars. And hopefully the product comes out pretty good, which I'm confident it, w- it will. So uh, I can't wait to see the the videos when they're done. Yeah. Well, if it's anything, if it's as well as your podcast, the blue crew that you host with Cody Frankel, that's his last name, Frankel, and yeah. Avery Zaretsky, formerly of Barstool Sports. You know, I mean, it's a great podcast, and I'm sure if it's as good as that, it's going to be great content. And I kind of, I had the same feeling when I used to work at ESPN. Like, I, I've talked to you about this previously. I worked in their staff department. They, I don't want to go into too much about what that job entailed, but just to look back and think, wow, I put plays in the top 10 of sports center. That was amazing. But you know, COVID yes. happened and you know, I decided I love my now wife more than I love that <laughs> job. So, yep. I, I'm so sure I, she's happy to hear that. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. But yeah, I've done something similar. I used to write for elite sports, New York, and I was, we were invited to, you know, a charity event thrown by Kevin Shattenkirk by a gym cancer in the can where mm-hmm. basically all but four Ranger players were there. I interviewed Shattenkirk. I've interviewed, you know, Zabenejad, Kreider, Neil Pionk, Tony D'Angelo. This was 2019, if I remember correctly. Yeah, I remember because it was the day after the nine, the 20th anniversary was it 20th anniversary? No, no, not 25th anniversary of the 1994 team. And we got shut up by the hurricanes and I was at that game. So that was unfortunate, but not very fun. Yeah. But still to go to a hockey game is pretty fun. But anyway, let's, before we get into our beloved New York Rangers, let's get into the NHL in general. What non-Ranger storyline do you want to talk about right now? What non-Rangers storyline? Uh, the first thing that comes to the top of my head is the Ottawa Senators. Uh, I think they are going to be so much fun to watch this year. I think they'll get into the playoffs. I think the Islanders and the Panthers will miss out. And, and the Ottawa Senators, for whatever reason, I'm super high on them this year. 
And, uh, you know, I think a lot of that has to do with Brady Kachuk, Tarasenko, just their overall top six, Drake Batherson, you know, another strong player. Shane Pinto should be signing a contract hopefully soon. Mm-hmm. Um, but this team just really excites me. They're back end too with Jake Chikrin, uh, Thomas Shabbat. Um, you know, they're, they're just, I think if it's not this year, it's next year where they're going to be really competitive, but I am a big fan of the senators and I think they're not being talked about enough. So I guess that's a storyline that we could talk about, but we don't have to go into too much detail. Uh, Um, But anyone. Sorry. We don't have to go into the detail about them yet because I was going to talk about them later when we talk about like teams taking steps forward, steps backwards. But sorry, I think I interrupted you there. No, you're good. You're good. Um, But yeah, I think the Senators are going to be a lot of fun. That's that's really the gist of it. Absolutely. I think another story, I mean, a negative storyline is unfortunately the Mike Babcock situation in Columbus and all the credit in the world to biz nasty for you know kind of breaking that story as much crap as i gave him for calling the rangers fugazis in the 2022 playoffs to then calling us the for realsies in the 2023 playoffs i was like okay the problem was he's got jumped on our bandwagon he was wrong there but in this case give credit where credit's due like people trust biz enough to come to them in that kind of situation and it ended like a i guess what you'd call a hostile work environment but another but a positive storyline Connor Connor Bedard at rookie camp. Whew, the release on that shot, man. Is that the question? <laughs> I mean, no, that's just me talking. Oh, that's yeah. Just okay. <laughs> that's just that's just things I'm looking into. All uh-huh. right. So no, 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 I I I totally agree. I mean, Bedard put on a great show in his first game. And uh, but listen, man, like I think as good as that kid is, I'm not discrediting him at all. Teams are aware of him. And they don't have many other threats. So, like, he's going to have success, obviously, in the rookie showcase. But when he's playing against NHL defensemen every night, they're going to be aware when 98's on the ice. So it's not going to be such an easy league for him. Yeah, it can't. Do you bring that up? That reminds me of winning time. That the what that scene when Magic Johnson went up against that NBA veteran, and that veteran handed him his ass, showing like, "Hey, listen, you still got a lot of growing to do." Yeah. But but anyway, which teams make the biggest step forward? And which teams make the biggest step backwards, in your opinion? I'll let you go first. Um, on this one. I think, like I said, the biggest step forward, I would say Ottawa. Um, Maybe, I don't want to say a huge step, but a step forward could be Vancouver. They're a team that uh, was a total disaster last year. But, you know, Rick Tockett in a full season behind the bench, Quinn Hughes wearing the C on his chest. Um, You know, they have a lot of talent on that team, I think. But they haven't been able to put it together. And uh, if Thatcher Demko can, you know, stay healthy and play to his best ability, mm-hmm. he could be a Vesna candidate, I think, this year. So uh, Vancouver, I, I don't know if they will make the playoffs, but I do think they will compete. So to me, that's a step forward, obviously. Uh, steps backward. The one team that just comes to my mind is the Florida Panthers. Uh, you know, I don't want to take away what their run was like last year. Their playoff run was literally... I don't want to call it a Cinderella story either because they won the President's Trophy the year before. Mm-hmm. But, you know, they were basically out of the playoff picture, you know, um, around January, February. And they went on a crazy heater to make the playoffs. Then, obviously, Sergey Bobrowski stands on his head and gets them to the Stanley Cup final. And Matthew Kachuk has an incredible performance. Carter Verhage scores a lot of clutch goals. And they're able to figure it out. But, you know, that playoff run came with some serious, uh, serious downfalls. You know, they're going to start the year without Aaron Ekblad, without Brandon Montour. And I know they've gotten some guys in their blue line, but, uh, you know, I think this team just might struggle a little bit out of the gate. And I'm not sure if they'll be able to catch up. 
And then another team that should take a step backwards just with how everything's shaken out with them. And obviously the year they had last year, the Boston Bruins, you know, I'm, I'm not saying they won't make the playoffs. They probably will make the playoffs, but you know, it's obviously hard to replicate the year they had last year and um, they've lost a lot of important pieces. So I'm just, I think that's the obvious answer for a team that will take a step back. Yeah. I, for me, an honorable mention as far as like taking a step forward. Part of me sees the LA Kings doing some things. Oh, I can 100%. Pi- I can picture the LA Kings being a better team, especially now with Pierre-Luc Dubois, assuming he will like playing there because he forced his way out of Columbus and Winnipeg. Also, maybe Quentin Byfield takes a step forward too. Adrian Kempe is coming off a great season. Maybe some quest- Maybe some questions in that. I still really can't picture them overtaking Edmonton though because of Connor McDavid and Leon Draisaitl. Maybe if the playoff seating is favorable to them, they could make the Western Conference final. But, you know, they're more of an honorable mention to me. But we, you talked about well, this. They've also played really strong series against Edmonton the last two years. Like, they've been right there. Uh, so I, I agree with that point. I think L.A. is going to be a really fun team to watch this year. And they are so deep. Uh, there's not many flaws on that roster. So that's a great call. I think Edmonton, or L.A., excuse me, could easily go on a run. Absolutely. And we uh, we mentioned before the Ottawa Senators like there there are two teams specifically in the Atlantic I want to focus on. I'll start with the Ottawa Senators. This team is really young. They've played teams competitively the past few years. They were just six points behind the second wildcard spot. They got a notorious pest and solid point producer in Brady Kachuk at captain. I hate him. He looks like Parker from Mr. Me. He's the best. <laughs> Prob- I hate him probably because he does his job so well. Yeah. They got Tim Stutzel who burst onto the scene after being taken third overall in the 2020 draft veteran Claude Giroux amongst their miss. And sure they traded Alex to bring but now they got new addition in Vladimir Tarasenko, which will be a huge get for them on defense. They got Chikrin. I think you mentioned him before Thomas Shabbat among others, maybe some questions in that, but I think the senators are ready to make, take a step forward and make the playoffs. However, they're not the team in the division. I'd say making the biggest step forward, the Buffalo's, but oh yeah, the Buffalo Sabres. I think it's finally their time. Last year they finished only one point behind the second wild card Panthers. If I'm not if I'm not mistaken, they have the longest playoff drought of all the teams in the four major North American sports. I think 2011 was their last year in the playoffs. Yeah, whether or not that's accurate, Tage Thompson became a star last year. A bit of a late bloomer. He's got plenty of other talent around him. Jess Skinner, Alex Tuck, Kyle Poso, some young guys like Jack Quinn, JJ Paterka. On defense, they got Owen Power, Miss Deline. They just got Dylan Connor- Cousins. You missed Dylan Cousins. Oh, Dylan Cousins too. I was about to say Connor Clifton. I think he's a family friend to my wife's uncle, which would make him my uncle, my uncle Bob. He's, from, he's the New Jersey guy. And, uh-huh. and, and last but not least, someone who has the potential to be one of the best goalies in the league down the line, Devin Levi. They may lack some experience, but they are balanced. They Their playoff drought will finally end. At the same time, think about this. Look at the teams in the, the Atlantic, the Senators, the Sabres, the Red Wings, who had a, have a solid of roster of their own and just out, added Alex Brinkett. The Maple Leafs, who made some good moves as well and finally got that first-round monkey off their back. I can picture them going to the conference final. The Lightning, the Panther, the Panthers, who just went to the Cup. I just listed six teams in that division. At least two of them aren't going to the playoffs, which now brings me to the next part: going teams taking a step backwards. I didn't mention the Bruins above. I think the loss of Bergeron and Krejci is too much. Obviously, it's not just that we can't expect them to duplicate last year's success, but I think after having one of the best center cores in the league, 
having Charlie Coyle as your number one center bites. That's not throwing shade at Coyle. He's a dog. He's a guy who works hard that anyone would love to have on their team, but he's not the number one center for a team with Stanley cup aspirations. I think at best they're wildcard team. And I feel like that's pushing it. I think they're missing the playoffs, but because they still got the likes of recently named captain, Brad Marchand, David Poster, knock and Charlie McAvoy in the back of my mind. I'm still like, I'll believe it when I see it. And uh, next team I got taking the step backwards, I'll go out West. This should be obvious. The Winnipeg Jets for, you know, I think they're on the decline. Their windows shut after losing to Vegas in the first round. They lost the likes of Pierre-Luc Dubois in a trade. I mean, he w- was gone anyway. Blake Wheeler mm-hmm. with the buyout. I feel it's only a matter of time before Connor Hellebuck and Mark Shifley get shipped off as shipped off as rentals. Part of me is surprised that Tom Fitzgerald ha- has not gotten Hellebuck on the Devils yet, but part of me is also thinking with the cap space the Devils are going to have, they might just wait to sign him in, in the offseason. But speaking of the Devils, I mean, I don't put them as in. I'm not going to say they're declining. I have no way I'm saying they're declining. Like, you're a huge Jack Hughes guy, and I don't blame you. But I still say they are a playoff team. However, I can easily picture, I, I picture them plateauing this year. I, I think they're going to trend upward again, but this year is kind of plateauing. I don't know if you watch, do you watch football? Kind of like the New York Giants, or, or maybe how the Rangers were last year. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, I've been saying that. You know, for the past like couple months, I feel like that the Devils just have so much hype around them, and and it's warranted, right? Because they had a great year, they had a great offseason, they've gotten stronger on paper. But you know, let's see what they do with the pressure on them. You know, last year I don't think they were getting everyone's best game. No one was really, you know, circling the Devils in the calendar. But this year, with all the, you know, I guess attention they've gotten and all the superstardom they've brought in they're going to be a team that everyone brings their best game against the devils. So I'm curious to see how it affects them. Like they're going to be a fun team to watch. (laughs) Excuse me. I'm super excited to watch them still, but I don't know what they're going to be like when they're not playing with house money. So, you know, I'm not saying they're a bad team. I think they're an incredible team. I think they're going to have a good year, but with the pressure added, I'm curious to see how it goes. It's not their time yet. And before anyone calls me a biased ranger fan i think in 2026 the devils will win it all but oh well but anyway but to this year i could i would not be surprised if they don't make it past the first round they beat the rangers who were loaded with star power but directionless at coach they lost in five games to the hurricanes who are bitten by the injury bug but had direction at coach i'm not wowed by their defense other than dougie hamilton and luke hughes luke hughes is still a baby I just think their defense is okay. They're, the goalie situation, the Rangers made their goaltending look way better than it actually was, especially when you look at the Carolina series. They have a ton of talent up front. Jack Hughes needs no introduction, and the addition of Tyler Toffoli helps. However, I think they won in spite of Lindy Ruff, not because of him. And now, former assistant coach Andrew Brunette took off to be the head coach of the Nashville Predators. Had he not done that, I'd say it was only a matter of time before Fitzgerald realized Ruff wasn't that good and promoted brunette now you might be thinking oh oh jack that's just an assistant coach well Ulf samuelson was just an assistant coach for the rangers from 2013 to 2016 and it seemed like our defense got weaker after he left and that's when the competitive window began to shut for us. that competitive window began to shut for us i wouldn't necessarily say they're taking a step back as i said before as a much as as much as i'd say 
they're more so plateauing this year, similar to the Rangers last year. They could still trend upwards again real soon. And just so I have a team out West, the Golden Knights, again, plateauing. Simply put, they're the defending Stanley Cup champions. It's really hard to, to, to repeat in this league. Only real major loss they had was Raleigh Smith in the trade to the Penguins. The Pens, who I truly won't, they're a team I truly won't say they're done in, until I see it. I don't know if it was you or someone else that said the Islanders are better. I wouldn't go that far, I think. But back to Vegas. I ranked the Islanders higher than the Penguins, but I've immediately regretted that. <laughs> well, I don't know if that was before or after the Eric Carlson trade, but no real major additions. Correct me if I'm wrong with that. Like the Devils, I still say postseason, but I can't picture them going on like a real decline after this. You could probably say something similar to the Panthers who were just who just caught fire, but were a second wildcard team. But anyway, last NHL storyline or more so predictions. I want your predictions for the Hart Trophy, the Selkie Trophy, the Norris Trophy, Richard Trophy, Vesna Trophy, the Hart Ross Trophy, and the Calder. Let me know if I got to repeat any of those. Uh, well, the Hart trophy, I mean, these are all so tough, right? Like, I feel feel like there's only one answer for, yeah. How do you not take Connor McDavid? Exactly. That's who I got to. He's not going to get any worse. So like, I don't want to sit here and say it's not going to be McDavid, but like, I want to think outside the box a little bit. Um, and honestly, like. I, I, another answer that's like pretty common, I would say, but I could see it being Kale McCarr. Mm. Uh, I think Kale obviously only played in 60 games last year. Had he been healthy for the full 82, he could have competed with Norris as well, which mm. he, I think he was a Norris finalist anyway, uh, I believe. And, um, you know, Kale's someone who's a super competitive guy. Uh, Colorado had that first round loss last year against Seattle. I think Colorado is still the best team in the Western Conference. And, uh, you know, Kale could be a sleeper for the the Hart Trophy, which also makes him, I assume, the Norris candidate as well, right? Yeah, he's who I have for Norris. But I'll say, you know, if it isn't Kale for the Norris, a defenseman who I think we've been waiting for to, you know, be this incredible all-star, you know, superstar, elite talent kind of defenseman. Who do you got? Who do you got? Miro Heiskanen. Oh, oh, of the stars. That, you know, yeah. some, I don't know who, who I saw on Instagram that predicted it, but yeah, that's a good choice too. And I'm going to say this, if the Canuck, if the Vancouver Canucks pull something out of their ass and like make the playoffs, I could see Quinn Hughes as a dark horse yeah. candidate, at least. Put up 76 points last year on a team that wasn't very good. So definitely an option there too. Uh, Vezina. I'm going with our boy, Igor. But it's not that but he's got some competition in the division too with Ilya Sorokin. Yeah. I, I, I said it last year, but I still love the kid. And I, and I think he is solidified himself as an elite NHL goalie, which one just Jake, or Jake Ottinger, Jake Ooh. Ottinger. And Dal- I, I'm very high in the Dallas stars this year. Um, yeah. But like, yeah, I don't want to go against Sorokin or Shesterkin. But it's so hard to bet against either of those. Yeah, guys. it's it's so hard. And then uh, what were the other ones that we talked about? Uh, other goalies or Ross, other, other trophies? Who's your Art Ross pick? I'm going with McDavid. Art, McDavid. I got McDavid for Art Ross, and I got Austin Matthews for the Maurice Richard. 
And for the Calder, I'm going with Devin Levi. That's what I had for the Calder. Really? <laughs> yeah. Uh, man, it's it's so hard to do these like preseason awards just because you never really know. Exactly. Um, like for for all I know, someone could get hurt. Like for all, yeah, Connor McDavid could get hurt, and then Leon Drysidle could carry the Penguins, similar to like Malkin did in 2011-12 when Crosby got hurt. If you know what I'm saying. Art Ross, the uh, McDavid is the safest pick, obviously. Yeah. Um, the Maurice Richard interests me. I really feel like it could be Miko Rantanen. Of the of the Colorado uh, Avalanche, really? He had a really strong season last year, and it's kind of quiet. I believe he put up 55. And, you know, McKinnon missed some time. Landis Cog was out the whole year, which he will be again this year. Yeah, he's Carr out for missed... the whole year, if I'm not mistaken, yeah. right? He might, yeah, he yeah, could he's... be done, unfortunately. And McCarr missed some time. Like, and Rantanen still put up 55. So, I don't know. This guy's pretty sick. And uh, I think he could, he could put up, you know, another 55 to 60. So, I, I might say Rantanen for Maurice Richard just to be a little bit different. Okay, that's a good call. That's a good call. All right. Now, let's get into our boys. Now, you, I remember how I don't remember how many episodes of the Blue Crew it was ago that you weren't sure if the Rangers took a step forward or step backwards this year. Has your mind changed since then? What do you think? I still, I, I you know, I've said it. I think a lot. I, I won't know until like 15, 20 games in. Uh, but being at training camp today, the attitude around the room is, and just the overall like feeling in the building. Laviolette's like a very, very intense guy, uh, but a nice guy and a, and a guy that communicates really well. Um, you know, I was actually surprised at how cool he is because he he has some humor to him. Uh, he's very humble for being in the NHL for such a long time. And the way he speaks to the media and just what it seems like to the players, it's very clear communication, which I think will benefit the Rangers for sure this season. Uh, just as far as watching them play together, I Definitely think they have a stronger roster right now than they did a year ago, but clearly on paper, they're not as good as what they were at the deadline last year. No. Uh, so it's interesting to see if they got better or worse because it could be like an addition by subtraction situation. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm still not ready to say that because I truly just don't know. Uh, last year they had so much talent, but weren't able to put it together. It looked like they deferred to Kane and Tarasenko a little bit. Um, and this year they're going to have to just try to figure it out on their own. I mean, not that they didn't have to last year, but you know, Lafreniere and Kaka will have that chance and the opportunity is theirs for the taking. And if they don't succeed, it just, it just could get very ugly, but if they do succeed, watch out, man, because this team could be awesome. Absolutely. Like Chris jury did a really good job of bargain bin hunting, this off season. It's like he went into the bargain bin at wall, the DVD bargain bin at Walmart and then ended up pulling out like the Lord of the Rings trilogy or something. The little with the little cap space they had, he put together a real deep hockey team. Even Spit and Chicklets said that the signing of Blake Wheeler might be the steal of the offseason. They said that this week. I say a lot they of people have said that. Yeah. I say they are they are a playoff team. With that being said, and I said this next thing on my two previous Ranger-themed episodes. I think this is a playoff team. I think they can win a playoff round, but I don't see them winning the Cup this year. However, I am going to stick to my guns on this next statement. I think the Rangers are going to win the Cup in 2025. 
one small step forward this year. They're kind of bite, biting the bullet with the cap situation. And then one giant leap the next to stay on, to stay on this year though, jury seemed to make a team that can win not only on skill, but with grit and strength as well. And that was driven home by La Violette at the press conference yesterday. in that quote you shared where he said, you need to win. You need both of those styles to win. I've never wanted to be only a skilled team. And I've never wanted really to be just a hard working team when you can combine the two and you can get them on the same page, which is the purpose of training camp. It's to establish your identity. It's to work on it. It's to make the mistakes, to fix the mistakes, to gain confidence with what you're doing on the ice. I feel like when that happens, then the team starts to get confidence. When you make a team that's too star-studded, it seems like they tried to win on talent alone last year. And sure, Patrick Kane was hurt, but Herb Brooks said, said it. You don't have enough talent to win on talent alone. I think Laviolette's comments yesterday showed that Jury learned his lesson that you need meat to complement your skill. When you said that, I knew there was a Herb Brooks quote coming. I fucking <laughs> knew it. I, I I almost took the words right out of your mouth. But uh, no, it's 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 obviously uh, a lot easier said than done. But you know, Lavi, let's challenge is to get Panarin, get Mika, get Kreider, Foxy, all these guys to play a little bit more physical and with an edge. Absolutely. Um, you know, we clearly know the skill level that they all have. And there's more guys in the roster with skill too, like Kako and Lafreniere and Trocek and Hedl. And these guys are all skilled players. But you need that extra, like, give a fuck, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and that just hasn't shown in, in a while. And we all know they give a fuck. But other teams, for whatever reason, just seem to have wanted it more. And I think Laviolette can bring that out in this group. And it's, you know, pretty evident from day one that the guys are a little bit, you know, like not, not afraid, but you know, they're like feeling it. I think a little bit, you know, I I can't think of the term that I want to use, but um, there's just a different vibe around this group right now. And uh, it's very encouraging. I think Vincent Trocek said like, there's, it's a no bullshit, no nonsense or no bullshit. Attitude yeah, no right bullshit. Now. That was a great quote he had today. Yeah. Absolutely. And I don't know if this this next question, I don't know if kind of played into the last one. Do you think a coach like Laviolette who preaches a more structured game plan is exactly what the Rangers need? So, you know what? It's funny, right? Because I was like kind of against it at first because, you know, I'm one for bringing voices, bringing new perspectives. Um, oh, shit. Sorry. Sorry. My mic got unplugged. But <laughs> it's all as good. I was saying, I was somewhat against it. I, you know, I'm all for bringing in new voices, new perspectives in the NHL. And it seemed like the Rangers were going to go in that direction, but I like what they did. They brought in the who is, you know, somewhat of an old school coach and somewhat of a fiery coach. And, you know, one who's not afraid to share how he feels toward a player, but in a, you know, constructive criticism kind of way. <laughs> and the staff they brought around him, I thought was very strong. Phil Housley, another guy. Yeah, absolutely. You know, a head coaching experience. And then, you know, Dan Muse and Michael Pecco, who have experience with the younger guys that can communicate to the 18 to 22 year old kind of players. So, um, you know, I think they rounded it out really well and they seem to complement each other really well. Laviolette also told a story about like going out to dinner with all the coaches and uh, how they're all bonding and getting along, which is nice. But the more I hear from Laviolette, and listen, like words are just words. Like we're not going to know how we feel about Laviolette till 
the season actually starts, but he's saying all the right things. I think he has all the right intentions. Um, like I said, he's a very clear communicator and all the players already seem to have a lot of respect for him. So, you know what? I, I think from everything I've seen, the hire is somewhat perfect. Absolutely. I, I When they announced this hiring, I was just okay with it at first. I wasn't thrilled about it. However, I was more on board with it after the first comp first press conference he said all the right things he talked about bringing this team to stanley cup while also stressing that the kids need to be given up an opportunity to earn that top playing time however the best part about this coaching hire is the assistants particularly dan muse and michael pekka that doesn't mean phil housley isn't impressive he's a hall of famer and he's been under laviolette in nashville and lots defenses tend to put up more points under him if i remember correctly so i'd expect someone not named adam fox to take some knees offensively. Keandre Miller, definitely. But Muse, I feel like they're grooming to take over when Laviolette is done. He's got experience working with the younger players in the U.S. National Development Program, including some of the Rangers' own prospects. And Pekka was a great two-way forward as a player, was a great help with some of the prospects in Rochester for the Buffalo Sabres, which I think you touched on previously. I think you had a friend in Rochester who said that they were he was a good help with JJ Paterka and Jack Quinn, but Pekka will also be a great help on getting this team better on aspects of their games. You know, like face-offs look back to 2021 when LaViolette credited, credited him for making the capitals better in that area of the game. Think about that. I, I, I said face-offs, right? When I talked about that, I want to make sure I didn't forget. I just want to be sure I was talking about face. What? Too many Yinglings. No, it's just one point. <laughs> I just, <laughs> but yeah, it, it was on face-off. But yeah, but think about that. We love Filipino, but one criticism of his game, and this is the one criticism of him from my idiot Uncle Joe that I actually agree with, and I rarely agree with him on anything, is that he really needs to be better on face-offs. He's constantly in like the upper 30s or lower 40s for his face-off percentage. That's my one concern with Heedle possibly being placed in the top six. But if Pekka is able to get him to 50% or above face-off percentage, I have zero qualms with putting Heedle in the top six. I think if this was the Rangers coaching staff in that first round against New Jersey, they win that series. These X's and O's type of guys might be exactly what the Rangers need, particularly the young guys to unlock their full potential which we'll get into in the next topic. That being said, they're going from a staff who did little to no structure to a staff that preaches structure. They might be a little slow out of the gate this season trying to get used to this system and put it all together. Think back to 2013-14 and you know, like how bad they were to start that season. Yeah, like on that I was West tweeting season. fire AV like five games in. Yeah, I mean... I was like a that, senior the, in high school. The, the Thomas Hurdle hat trick. I mean, that was my sophomore year at in community college, but if they weather that storm, they get some time to get used to their new system. They'll turn it into good, some good hockey. And to close out this segment, I'd say these hires are a yin yang, a perfect balance of old school and new school players were asking for help in exit interviews. This is that help that might just help unlock the potential of these kids in this next question. Who needs to make a bigger jump this year? Kapokako or Alexi Lafreniere? I mean, I think Lafreniere needs to. Uh, 
Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, just for like, I th- I think Lafreniere needs to just for the narratives and the conversations mm-hmm. around him. Um, but for me, I still think there's like more time with him, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Whereas like Kako has, has proven stuff before. Yeah. You know, like he looks good and if he's still playing well, but not producing, I don't know what that's going to do to his confidence, you know, like, so I think Kako needs to produce, if that makes sense. Like, yeah. he needs to see pucks go in. And I think that's more important than, like, Lafreniere producing points. But Lafreniere needs to be consistent. Mm-hmm. So it's two different things for me that that I'm trying to find the way to word it. Um, they both need to take big jumps, obviously. Yes. But I think in different areas. Because Kako's been consistent, and he's created opportunities, and he's, you know... Looked great, I think, at, at a lot of times, but he hasn't put up the points. Whereas to me, Lafreniere has had good stretches, but has not been consistent at all. So I think there's two different arguments here in a sense, right? Like you need Lafreniere to show that he can play 82 games in the regular season with the same effort every night. Whereas Kako, you need to see that he can score goals. Like yeah. the kid gets chances, he's got to finish. So it's it's a tough one to pick, but I would say Lafreniere needs more of that like positivity than Kako does, if that makes sense. Yeah, I I think I think I agree with you on there. I think it is Lafreniere, and we have been clamoring for them to get chances in the top six for a while. I feel like both of these guys got to show something. It's not entirely their fault because they came to Ranger teams that were deep on the wings to begin with, so it was especially hard for them to earn some playing time. People love to compare Stutzel and Laf because they were the same draft year. The Sens really didn't have much going on for them. So it was much easier for Stutzel to get consistent playing time in that top in the top six of that lineup. That being said, Kako's shown me a lot more. He's so good on the boards, and he's arguably the most defensively sound forward on the team. He gets snake bitten at times trying to score and put up points. And I think he's way in his own head because. He wants to do everything perfectly. Gets He gets a little too robotic. I mean, the effort's there. I'm glad he's thinking, but he shouldn't overthink. Sometimes, just shoot. It doesn't have to be a perfect shot. It doesn't have to be in the perfect lane. Also, think about how big Capo Caco is. He's 6'2", 206 pounds. A lot of his play is around the boards, which requires a lot of physicality. I, I'm sure you've watched Dodgeball. Capo Caco needs Apache's O'Houlihan in his life. You gotta get angry. You gotta get mean. That's the only way you can play. <laughs> but now for Lafreniere, he was invisible this postseason. I mean, Kako had a goal. I get that Laf has not lived up to the hype of a first overall pick. But at the same time, you look at the minutes he's been given and the stats he's put up. I think he's been decent. Playing mostly third-line minutes, getting little, if any, time on the power play unit, he since the 2021-22 season, he has the third most even strength goals on the team. Kreider has 47, Panarin has 37, Lafreniere has 32. He has more than Zabanajad, who has 31. This team really struggled on the five on five, and he's one of the few bright spots in those situations. 
He's only got three power play goals in his career, but again, that's because he hasn't gotten those that consistent power play time. These two were selected first and second all overall for a reason. There's there's a reason I brought up Tage Thompson being a late bloomer when I talked about the Sabres taking the next step before. You know, drafted 26 overall by the Blues. I think he got traded to the Sabres, and it took him a few seasons to turn it to turn into the stud he is now. Sometimes it takes time. Lafreniere entering year four, Kako entering year five are both poised to have their own breakout seasons, especially with the construction of this roster and the new coaching staff. It's on them now. There's no Kane or Tarasenko keeping them on the third line. Kako is basically a lock in the top six. Lafreniere being a natural left winger could keep him stuck on the third line behind Kreider and Pernan. But you reported today, was it today or yesterday at the, no, yesterday at the press conference that Lafayette said that Laf will be on the right side to start training camp. If the coaching staff can help him get comfortable there, I think he can easily take that second line right wing spot from Blake Wheeler. I would I would put a mandate on the both of them, though. If they both stay healthy, you know, they're able to play like a majority of the games, I think they should both put up 25-plus goals and or 60-plus points. Considering the numbers they put up last year playing mostly third-line minutes, I'd say it's doable. If they get their opportunity, if they if they get their opportunities, I mean, what would you mandate for them? I mean, I think I predicted that, right? I think I uh, came out with my point predictions and Lafreniere. I think I put fifty six, and I think Kako I put sixty one, um, and those are those are pretty big jumps, right? Because Kako had what forty last year, Lafreniere had thirty nine. Um, so those are big leaps for the two of them, but I think the opportunity is theirs for the taking. Like we said, you know, I think it's clear that Kako will be on one of the first two lines, and you'd have to assume that if Lapilette wants Lafreniere starting on the right side, he will also have that opportunity in one of the first two lines as well. So, um, yeah, I mean, I listen. If if all goes well, they're easily both in that range. It's just a matter of the question is if all will go well, you know. But yeah, I just looked at I just went on the Blue Crew Pod Instagram. Yeah, you have you have Lafreniere 56, Avery has 50, Cody has 54, and I, I don't feel like scrolling far enough to find Kako there. Yeah. And last <laughs> last question, and you answered this question on the Blue Crew. Like w- my wife and I were on our way home from Cape May listening to that episode. And oh, you thank you. And you said Jackknife 82, and she just turned to me and her her mouth dropped. But Last Ranger question. Which prospect are you looking most forward to? Brennan Offman or Gabriel Pereira? This was a good question. And I think I said Offman, right? Yeah, you did say Offman. Yeah. Um, and that was because, if I remember correctly, Offman's just his time is right now. Mm-hmm. Uh he's not gonna make the team opening night. I don't I feel strongly that he won't. And, and I think taking... I I'm sorry to interrupt. I think he's gonna handle that way better than Vitali Krasov did, but go on. Well, he knows they're taking their time with him. Like even today in the group skates, like Othan participated with the rookies. He didn't even skate with the big club. So uh that goes to show that the Rangers listen, they're taking their time developing this kid. They're not gonna rush him. They're gonna let him come into his own. And then when he, they feel he's ready, he'll step into the NHL. Um, you know, whereas others have stepped into the NHL before they're ready and have failed miserably, and it just ruins their career. So I'm more excited for Othman because it'll be his first year playing pro. He'll get the reps. He'll probably get called up for a couple games. 
Um, but with that said, I'm also very excited to watch Gabriel Perot at BC this year because that Boston College team is going to be absolutely loaded. And, uh, you know, ideally, Perot does two years there and, you know, then makes his way over to the Rangers when they could probably use him. Uh, next year, this year, I don't think there's a need for him right now. So I don't see him making that jump, which, you know, therefore obviously makes me more excited about often right now. But I think in two years, that answer could be completely different. Yeah. And, and forgive me, this is a lot, because I've pumped Ackman's tires a lot on previous episodes. How can I possibly blow smoke up this kid's ass even more? But Ackman just seems to be like one of those character guys. He's willing to do anything to win. He put on 10 pounds of muscle heading into camp. This kid is just looking to better himself every day. While you can say Perot, at least on paper, is our best prospect when you look at his point totals and skill. I mean, there's some questions of his skating ability. Maybe you know more about that than I do. But Othman's attitude and demeanor just seems to be everything you want in a player. He might not have as many points his previous, this previous OHL season that just happened as opposed to the, to the one prior where he went off. He had 50 goals, 47 assists for 97 points in, in 66 games. But a lot of that had to do, but a lot of, but a good reason for him not putting up many points this previous year is because he's trying to learn how, how to better play better defensively and have a complete 200-foot game. And comparing these two, it kind of reminds me of Rick Nash and Matt Zuccarello in a sense. Yes, Nash was a more skilled player and put up more points, but Zuccarello just had that dog in him and left nothing on the table while still putting up plenty of points in the process, which, which really put him over with the fans. But I say Othman can be even better than Zook when you look at his point production everywhere he's been. And he's basically won everywhere he's been. He's won the, I forget the name of the cup in the OHL. They went to the Memorial Cup. Uh, yeah. yeah, but they won the OHL, whatever the OHL Cup I think it's just the OHL Cup. Okay. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, there's all that. That and he's chippy with some backbone, which the Rangers lacked for most of their history. He plays a style that's difficult to play against, which is something Chris Jury stressed near the beginning of his tenure. Sounds like a guy you could build an identity around. And Elliot Friedman said on the 32 Thoughts podcast, but this was regarding the Toronto Maple Leafs. He said, choir boys don't win Stanley Cups. You need a team full of pricks. I love the thought of the Rangers having a point-producing player Who's, who's at the same time willing to be, for lack of a better term, an asshole and stand up for himself and not take shit from anyone. So if any f- friends of mine who root for like the Devils, Islanders, Penguins, or Flyers try to say to me, oh, Brendan Othman's an asshole, I'm going to be like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, Othman is likely, but yeah, Othman is starting in Hartford this year. And that's fine. Everything he's shown us, Shows he'll accept his assignment and just continue to develop there. I'm hope I'm hoping to make a trip up to Connecticut, Connecticut to see him. I don't want to get tickets, and then next thing you know, he's getting called up to the NHL and then going to this random Hartford Wolfpack game. <laughs> but he's one of the key. He is one of the key reasons I still say the Rangers won the cup next year. I think this kid might be one of those heart guys, a straw that stirs the drink and gives your team an identity that might not get as noticed as the Vesna caliber goalie or the Norris caliber defenseman or the heart candidate winger, but is a piece that can put your team over upon arriving like that of Brian Rust or a Jake Gensel joined the Penguins, even though Gensel joined for the second of that back-to-back cup run. 
keep this in mind. Pearl broke, I think it was Austin Matthews' record for points in a season with the U.S. national development team. And that says a lot for me to be more excited about Othman. I cannot wait for this kid to be a Ranger full-time. And I'm pl- and I'm plenty excited for Perot. Hell, I'm more excited for Othman than I was for Kako and Lafreniere. And I genuinely mean that. Is there anything I could have possibly missed there? I don't think so. I think you hit it all. <laughs> Absolutely. But anyway, time for fan questions. We got, well, from five people or six total. This first question is from my old friend, Mike Devona. What's more likely, Mika Forselke or Fox for Norris? I'm going with Fox for Norris simply just because he's won before. He was nominated last year. I don't think Mika's necessarily er- even earned like a Selkie candidacy at like being up there, like one of the top three candidates. I totally agree. I think Fox for Norris is the obvious answer. Uh, kids been nominated twice in four years. So that's seems obvious to me. Absolutely. Next question. Another friend of mine, Cody DeGorder is adding Kane a possibility come November. I think that ship has sailed. I think your best bet was, to trade Barkley Goodrow, which it's more obvious that than not that he's staying on this team now. Yeah. And I, I don't think it's happening either. It, it's if, if it were to happen, it would have happened already. So um, yeah, I think it's a long shot. I mean, there's rumors he could go to the Red Wings. He could go to the Sabres and, and I'm brain cramping. Oh, oh, oh yeah. Now I remember what I was going to say. And some of the same people who want Lafreniere to, to go in the Kako to both be in the top six kind of also want Kane back. I'm like, which do you want? You're, yeah. they're, they're not going to get there if there's this granted Hall of Famer veteran blocking them. And then we complain about, oh, how they're not, oh, they're not putting up as many points. But you got to pick one there. And I, this might be a friend of yours. I hope I'm pronouncing this correctly. Chris Jastrzemski. Jess, did did I say it right or or Chris Jastrzemski? He's a, he's a good friend of mine. He's also better known as Jazz on NHL and TNT. He's their researcher, uh, and really? I already know. I already have a feeling it's a dumbass question. <laughs> well, I'm thrilled that a researcher on NHL and TNT might be listening to my stupid podcast. But is Johnny Beast or not Beast? Yeah, I knew that was going to be something along those lines. <laughs> and uh, that, that's just a word. So I, one of my best friends, Jack, always like said the word beast, and I just started saying it sarcastically, and now it's like in my vocabulary, just how those things go. Mm-hmm. And uh, I would say beast for sure to, to answer that question. <laughs> All right. Next question from Peter Dempsey. He's like in Greece on vacation, and he took the time to write that. <laughs> I don't know. I, my honeymoon might stop in Greece. My wife and I are looking to do a Mediterranean cruise. But Sounds next- sick. Like, like, get this, you know, her father-in-law, not my father-in-law, you know, he's father-in-law would be your dad. (laughs) I only had one. I swear. I only had one. Oh, that's hilarious. Yeah. Yeah. One of the things you notice about me is I have a really bad stutter and like the mind works too fast for my mouth to process. But my father-in-law is looking at cruises and I swear he's trying to go on the same one we're going on for our honeymoon. It's like, no, we want to be intrusive. Exactly. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. I freaking love the guy to death, but I'm getting off topic here. Next okay. pat. Next topic. Peter Dempsey. What is one NHL arena that Johnny has yet to go to and would like to visit? 
Okay, so I've been, but I've never seen a game there, and that's Nashville. Uh, I've been there a couple times, but Nashville is a city I want to visit. Oh, it's sick. Um, it's so fun there. But I think Seattle would be very cool. I uh, I've heard a lot of great things about Climate Pledge, and that'd be a really cool one. Absolutely. I mean, for me, I think i'd have to go with vegas just you know you see the show i hear nothing but good things about that it's arena so sick. but so sick. i will recommend have you been to nationwide arena yet or no no i haven't uh i went there for my buddy's bachelor party for the 2021 20, 22 season the rangers won five to three panarin was this he hit the post he was this close to getting a hat trick but one of the cool things about it is like i'm assuming you've been to the rock, you know, you know how they have the hockey house off to the side. That's also attached to it. They have something similar, but you could actually see inside it. So like as the Rangers were playing, we also saw like a high school hockey game going on at the same time. And they had in like the Prudential center, how they had the hockey jerseys of every high school in New Jersey. They have one for every East high school in Ohio. And uh, yeah. Oh, another thing I forgot to mention about that trip that night the night before we saw the blue Jacks play the capitals and Ovechkin pl- passed Brett Hull that night. Oh, wow. But yeah, that's good. And Oh, you know, a two parter to that question. Cause I just remembered my friend, Jake Narachi. He's one of my former colleagues at ESPN. He knows you're a big college hockey guy. He was curious if you saw sacred hearts, new arena. Oh, I haven't been yet, but it looks so sick. I've heard it's unbelievable. I'm I have trying to go this year. I have a funny story regarding William Patterson and Sacred Heart with some, you know, with a lot of chippiness. I'm not sure if I'm at liberty to repeat at least the names, but again, I get getting off topic there. Next question, Ron Caperso. Who are the Rangers right wing one and right wing two after the trade deadline? Hamster wheel turning, Johnny. The hamster wheel's turning. How the fuck am I supposed to answer that? Uh, I think regardless, Capococco is staying right wing. That's right. yeah. That's just such a hard question to answer. Um, because like they're like it was clear this year the Rangers were going to go after Patrick Kane. Like that was clear going into this past year. But like, there's no target right now, so I don't. I have no reason to say it's not going to be Kako or Lafreniere. Like, yeah, don't. it's just, I, I don't know who, like, I don't know who's going to be selling at the deadline. Like, to the, I don't know. That's, that's a very tough question. And I'm sorry that I don't have a, a good answer for it, but. I mean, you could always go the safe route. Um, I think if Lafreniere finds himself on right wing, then Kako right wing one, Lafreniere right wing two. If yeah. if Lafreniere is more comfortable on left wing, and you know you know he's still doing fine on the third left wing, then you know it's go with you go with Blake Wheeler. And the next, the final question, it's a two part question from at Sir Fishton Hilbert Shaw on Instagram. I one, do you think this season will be better or worse than last year? Two, what year do you think realistically is ours? I think this is regarding the Rangers and I think you basically touched up on it when we did talk about them. So I think this year will be better than last year. I think they're just going to be way more consistent. Um, You know, last year was a lot of, you know, up and down 
mm-hmm. just with everything coaching to performance um, to, I think just overall vibe around the team. Uh, and this year, I think Laviolette's going to be, you know, a huge game changer for this team. Absolutely. And as far as the, our year, Again, I kind of agree with you. I wouldn't say it's this year, but I would be confident saying it's next year for sure. Absolutely. That yeah, I said before, I think I think they win a playoff series this year. I think if they rematch the Devils, they beat them. But I'm one of the reasons I don't see them winning. I'm going to get to in the next segment. But again, 2025, the Rangers are winning the Stanley Cup. You heard it here first. And speaking of the Stanley Cup, Let's get into Stanley Cup predictions. Do you do you want to go first, Johnny? I mean, mine's going to be super basic, but to me, it's it's Oilers Leafs. Ooh, I think be, I'd love to watch that. Yeah, I think it'd be incredible for the NHL. Canada hasn't gotten a cup since '93, and uh, what better way to bring a cup back to Canada than watching you know those two incredible teams go at it? McDavid, Matthews, like star-studded talent on both sides. Um, I think that'd be unbelievable, and I hope it happens. All right. My Stanley Cup prediction. I'm, I'm looking into the future right now. I see the Colorado Avalanche. They're lining up for handshakes, but they're hanging their heads in disappointment because they lost in Game 7 to the Carolina Hurricanes. Uh, are you dud? I am. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm going the Hurricanes over the Avalanche. In, in seven Everyone games. says the Hurricanes every year, and they always find a way to fuck it up. Well, here, look, well, I'll go into why. The, I'm I'm not the first person to say this. This isn't exactly a new hot take. The Canes are the best coach team in the league. For sure, they they have the best coach and Rod the Bod Brindamore. They would run through a brick wall for that dude. People say they lack the star power. Personally, I think Sebastian Ajo is a star, and Andre Svechnikov is solid too. I don't care that they lost out on Tarasenko. That situation was weird. But even if even if you disagree, I think they just have depth throughout with other guys throughout their lineup with other guys like Seth Jarvis, Jordan Martin, look, Jesper Fost, Tivu Teravainen, and I could go on at forward. On defense, they have Jacob Sla- Jacob Slavin, Brady Shea, Brett Pesci. Brett, yeah, is it Brett or Brent Pesci? I'm brain farting there. Brett. Okay, Brett Pesci. Oh, I'm thinking of the next guy, Brent Burns. They just added Dmitry Obolov and Tony D'Angelo. They have a great game plan night in, night out. Sure, they are sure there are questions in goal. Who knows? Maybe maybe they could make a run at Connor Hellebuck if the Jet the Jets should be sellers at the deadline. But their structure allows them to bend but not break. Except the conference finals for but we're forgetting that for right now. I don't want to look at their performance in the conference finals as indicative of them because remember. They had some players injured that series. Tara Vinen was hurt. Svechnikov was hurt. I think that's it as far as I know. There might be some more guys in there I'm forgetting. But if they stay healthy and stick to their guns, uh, excuse me, I'm going to say they get it done. I think the Avalanche will make a run even if they don't have Gabriel Landeskog for the year. They have the talent with McCarr, Nathan McKinnon, Rantanen, among others. But with the depth and game plan of the Canes, I'm going with them. I I think it's their time. I I don't disagree. All right. Yes, you disagreed on on your prediction. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Well, but, I mean, I like I don't. I you know I don't. It could it could easily happen. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Just, it's you know they have game plan. They have a solid game plan. But 
I listened to 32 Thoughts this week, too. Elliot Freeman said, you make a plan, God laughs. But who knows? But anyway, we're going to close out here. Johnny, before I close out and thank you, how about you plug where people could find you, like your social medias, where they could read some of your articles or view some of your other content? Pretty much everything I do is on that app now called X. So uh, just find me there. I refuse, to, I refuse to call it X. Uh, I'm always going to call it Twitter. Yeah, Twitter. Just just JLaz23. Uh, I put everything there. So I think that'd be the best place to find me. And Jack, thank you so much for having me on. I appreciate it. A lot of laughs, a lot of fun. And uh, yeah, thank you. Thank you very much, Johnny. I want to thank you so much for coming on. And I was afraid this show might be too small for you to make time for oh, or, that, or that you are way above my pay grade. I, Happy I make, to come on. I, I make nothing on this show or, or however you want to put it, but I really appreciate you making the time to come on here and discuss hockey with me, especially your busy schedule. You know, you, you just got recently got home from the tra- MSG training facility in Terrytown. Like I drove past that on my commutes from <laughs> Jersey to, you should have picked me yeah. up, dude. <laughs> I drew, I drove past. No, that was when I worked worked at ESPN. Oh, but yeah, that's another story in and of itself. I knew you'd be knowledgeable on everything we discuss. And and I hope I impressed you in return because I really want to grow this podcast, make it better and hopefully get it noticed and hopefully get noticed by some platform out there. Hell, I live at the Jersey shore year round. I know Mikey Grinelli from, I know Mikey Grinelli from spit and chiclets spends his summers pretty close to where I live. When I'd go to Manasquan, I'd secretly hope I'd run into him, shoot the shit with him and be like, Hey, by the way, I have a podcast. Too. But deep down, I know that's not, that's not how you actually do it. You can't just bother a big figure when they're You're never having a, have a night out. I, I have to grow this organically. And that's by doing shows like this with guys like you. So I really appreciate you coming on. I hope this is a well-received episode and I wish you nothing but success going forward with all you got going on. Thank you, Jack. I appreciate it. And I look forward to your uh, weekly blue crew questions. So keep them coming. All right. You got it. You got it, Johnny. But anyway, if you made this far, thank you very much for listening. Be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at funs podcast and on Facebook at fat of like talking sports and be sure to subscribe to us on YouTube and wherever you get your podcast. This is Jack Knife alongside Johnny Lazarus. Have a wonderful night, everyone.